Welcome to Stay Sane, where we talk about mind-riveting topics while pushing around our own perspectives. And today, we have my former karate instructor, Mr. Roger Dadley. <laughs> I haven't seen you in person for a while now. Like, I got, when I got my black belt in, what, fifth grade? Two, one, one year? Gotcha. Yeah, I think, I think it was about that time. So it has been a long time since we've actually seen each other in person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay, so I started karate um very young because my brother, my brother was there, and I, right. I remember I was like one of the youngest students, I believe. You you were you were you were you were very young, yeah. You were very young when you started because you still was um you know come when your brother was taking karate, you still was coming in and out with your mom, yeah. bringing him into karate class. So I, yeah, I remember you from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then sometime in blue belt, I took a break. I took I took a. Yeah a break for one or two years, I believe. Yeah. And I feel like that was the worst mistake that I've made in oh. my entire sports career. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm a very competitive person. Um, right. I'm a very competitive person. And considering that I was on my way to be one of the youngest black belt, and then the two years that I took a break, <laughs> and then I yeah. lost touch of it. And then I remember you were so nice to me when I came back. Cause you let me start because you changed up a lot of your material, material. right? Yeah, mm -hmm. so you let me start where I right back where I was. We we do we did a, a lot of karate schools don't do that. I do it because I want the students to feel like they can come back, even if they have to do a review, mm -hmm. still come back at your belt level. But it might take you two or three months to do that review, it could take you six months to do the review. Mm -hmm. So, why make you start over? Because basically, what we're going to do is just get you back up to where you were before you left. Yeah, and then, I mean, so no need of changing belts. You just keep the same belt level and just keep moving forward, you know? Yeah, yeah. And how's it going with everything virtual? Are you still continuing? Uh, we're teaching virtual now. So right now in the karate school, we probably have still about 55% of our students that are doing virtual training. So it's more like a hybrid school now because some students are coming in probably once or twice a week. A lot of them are coming like twice a week and then one day on Zoom or either coming once a week and maybe two days on Zoom, but that's what we're doing now. All the beginners are in karate class. They're physical, they're in no Zoom for them, they're in class taking class. Okay, gotcha, because one of the things that I really like about karate, because um, I'm, I'm not like, I don't like technique as much. I don't like going on form. And the right. one of the things that really didn't rely on that much form was sparring. Right. Was creativity, like you just go, mm -hmm. jab, jab, back, back in. So right. do you, how is that working? Well, right now, um, I mean, we do a lot of sparring because of my background. So I like students to do a lot of sparring because one, that's really the only way you're going to do it. It's like trying to teach someone to swim, but you don't put them in the water. A little, a little hard to teach you how to swim and hold your breath and understand all those things you're going to go through. But sparring is a big part of what we do. And a lot of um, schools are not really big in the sparring because of the confidence level and bring your students up. I like to do it early so the students can understand and learn control so that we can do it more where they can get an understanding of why we do the other things in their class. So, um, and then for me, it built the confidence when I was coming through Christ. So I know that sparring at an early age. Now, when I say sparring, I want everybody to understand that it's not where you go out and then everybody's just going all at each other. It's very controlled learning movement, learning how to make contact with someone, learning your distance. So that's the most important part. And then once they do that, 
Then it started to get a little bit more confidence. And then I said, okay, now we can go to here, a little bit more confidence. So you keep building that confidence where once you get to your intermediate classes, now you like to do it because you understand the purpose of it. Yeah. And you're not afraid anymore. That's the big part. Most of the students is their fear level. Like when students come in, it's like, am I going to get hit? Yes, you're in karate class. You're going to get hit. Are you going to get hit hard is the most important part. Like we're going to control that, but you are going to get hit. Yeah. And yeah. Um, the padding, the padding that we do. Yes, we have a, a lot of protective gear where your head, your hands, uh, even elbow pads you can get, your chest protection you can get. So, I mean, you're fully padded, but it's still somebody's coming at you and they're going to either kick you or punch you. It's still that fear of having that. But once contact is made and they realize that it's not going to hurt, then they get excited about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, was, <laughs> that was one of my favorite parts because when I was testing for black belt, uh, it just made me feel very confident, but one of the like third degree back black belts that right. punch on me when we were when we were sparring. Yeah, I, like, really? I do, I do really. Right, like you've been hit for real. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. like some of the times I I went well when I was with kids I went easy because I because right. even when I played diff- other sports I mm-hmm. know that like when I throw a football with my brother I know I have a strong arm. So right, hundred percent. But then when I was at the third degree black belt, I went a little harder. And then they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. So that that was definitely one of my favorite parts. But you did a lot. Did you do training when you were – did you do karate training when you were a kid? Yeah. So I started at 14 years old. So I started in karate first. So I did a, a tremendous amount of karate training. When I said tremendous amount, it was a lot to me. But I did a lot of karate training at the beginning. And then after – one or two years in is when I started on my kickboxing training. And my only purpose of that was my instructor had students that was there that were one world champion and state champions, but we were all the same size. So I was very fast, but not really that tough. And so I was like one of their sparring partners, but it wasn't a lot of contact made to me. So it was, it was, gave me an opportunity to work on my techniques and get a little better doing the kickboxing versus the karate class. But I stayed in karate class the whole time until I uh, earned my black belt. So I did, did a lot of training. On, on, you know, the karate, the karate really helps because it gives you that foundation of what you want to do. And then if you're like sparring, like you say, hey, I really enjoy sparring. Well, then there's different levels of sparring and different things you can do to get to a certain level. Yeah. You said you were 14. Were you put into karate or did you voluntarily uh, oh, oh I, didn't, I didn't volunteer at all. Yeah. So my mom put me in karate at 14 years old. I was very shy. Um, and the reason why I got put in karate is because I was skipping one of my classes at school. And one of my classes when I was, when I was in school, it was where all the bullies was in class and we had to do certain things. And I just learned how to either come to class late or leave early. And then we had a parent-teacher conference day, and my mom was like, well, I know my son is going to school, and I know he's here, and da, da, da. And, um, and the teacher said, well, he's here, and it's showing that he's here in school, but he's not in my class. And that's how we started the conversation of why you're not in the class. And I was like, well, mom, I'm good and bully. And she was like, well, if you go to class, you won't get bullied because your teacher's there to, to protect you. And I said, well, the teacher's not protected. I said, it's up to me. I said, and right now, you know, if I come to class late or leave early, I can get away and I can do my little things that I had learned to do. But that's how I got started. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's really interesting. I, again, I told you before, but like I started. Right. So um, 
the time that I had a break or before I was a blue belt and I took a break, mm-hmm. those are the times when I had like little interactions with my friends or people that I just didn't get along with. Wow. And I know it's like, I'm a very hands-on person. So if, right. you, if you punch me, I won't think twice about just tackling you. Right. And that was me as a kid. But like, obviously now if somebody punches me, I'll just be like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I remember I was like maybe seven, maybe seven. And the kid was either my age or one year older than me, but he was smaller. And right. Yeah, he was a guy. So we just got in this really like weird conversation and he was like getting irritated at me and I was like really pissed at him. And I was already taller than him, so I was like, Who the, who who do you think you are? Like he just laid a hand on me and he he just punched me and I was like Wow Okay. I mean I don't have any gear on. I mean, okay. Then 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 then, then it changes. Yeah. yeah. Then yeah. I was like, okay. Um okay. And then he was he was like, Oh no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I was like, Okay. But I never laid a hand back on him. The only right. time that I actually like punched somebody or like um harm technically somebody. I understand. Was my brother. Was your brother, right. <laughs> and I, yeah, because if I if I go out and punch somebody, because this was at a party. This was at a party. Um, oh wow! Yeah, this was at a party, and it was like all my friends, and it was like a boys versus girls type thing. So all the girls were in one, one room, like one room, room, right, right, yeah. And the guys were coming back in and forth, in in back in and out of the room. The other room, yeah. And we just got really pissed, and we just like got up to him, and he was like, and we were like, "What are you doing?" And then he laid a hand on me, and I was like. Okay, I mean you're scared, so get out. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that was interesting. And um, you said like you were being bullied. Is that? That that was a big part of why I got in karate at the beginning because you know I mean one I graduated from high school at 125 pounds, so you know at high school you know. I went to Patrick County High School, but you know we have a lot of uh, a lot of big basketball and football players that was there. So I mean, I was one of the smaller smaller kids in class. One of my friends that was in my neighborhood, he was probably about six two, one seventy five. He was in martial arts and he was training, and so I started to go to the school that he was at and kind of walking to the Christ School with him because my mom used to take me all the time. And then she was like, hey, son, you know, if I'm late sometimes, you know, can you walk home with him? So she talked to him and he was like, yeah, I mean, he was much older than me also. And so he would take me back and forth and I would be riding with him. And he was one of the kickboxers. And that's what kind of helped out, too, because we were walking home one day. His little brother was training in karate and someone kind of stopped. And, you know, we were in the road playing his kids and kind of gave us all a hard time. And he ended up getting into a confrontation with him. And when I saw him put karate on that guy, that's when I knew that I needed to stay in karate and I needed to learn that. I was like, if I could do that, I wouldn't be afraid. But there was a lot to it. Like, I didn't realize how much training you would have to do to get to that level. But I knew that that was that one thing I wanted to do. I was like, man, if I could be calm in a situation like this and be able to kick a punch or move or run or whatever, a block, I said, then I wouldn't be so afraid. Like I could maneuver around in school and do other things like I wanted to do. So knowing that he was a kickboxer and then we had some students that was uh, there as, you know, champion kickboxers. I didn't really didn't want to kickbox. I just wanted to learn the skill. Like I didn't want to compete. I just wanted to learn the skill, but I ended up competing anyway, you know? Yeah. And yeah. If, you weren't, if you weren't bullied, do you think you would have done um, karate? No, no. 
I mean, I played football, played football. I played uh, basketball for high school. Yeah, I mean, so I, I like sports, but I wasn't a rough, you, you know what I mean? It wasn't like a, a tough competitor. Uh, you were one of the smaller guys? I said I was small. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I like competition, but it wasn't like that was my main thing, mm-hmm. you know? And then once I got into amateur kickboxing, I sit down with my coach and he goes, you know, you have a talent to do this, but if you're going to get to a level where you can move to like where the championship levels are, he says, you got to dedicate everything to it. And you're going to have to work on your, you know, your mental part of it. physically, you're good. Mentally, you, you have that drive, but this is fighting and this is kickboxing and this is, you're going to be in some boxing schools. And he says, and they're not going to take it easy on you. So, it's, you know, it's not like karate class where somebody's going to stop you, somebody's going to control. He goes, it's different. There's no, you know, I mean, it's control, but it's not going to be where somebody's always there. Every time you take a punch, they, they would stop. So I had to get used to that. That took me a long time because even though I like the competition, getting hit really hard is, is something that you have to work through. Not everybody is um, prepared or geared to do that, you know? Yeah. So as a kid, um, if you like look at my legs and stuff, I've, I have scars because <laughs> I was I was not afraid to like go and dive on just plain gravel. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. so I'm like that's why I play I play softball and I play basketball. Right. The thing with me is I'm one of the few girls that play. So oh. yeah. So in like in my friend group and stuff. Right. Um, I'll get I'll get hit and I'll come. And I'll be like, you guys want to go play like a game of basketball or something? And they'll be like, no, let's go watch a movie. Sometimes <laughs> like, they do want to play. It's like, you know, let's play. You're 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 more physical when they was you know. Yeah, and and now I have to go easy on them, and I can't work. I can't. Work Absolute level, them. right? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, oh, and I want to say this, but another aspect is. Like you were one of the smaller players in football, and right? I feel like that takes um, it's a mental aspect because it, it it's it's all it's all mental, right? Because you you're looking at the size, and then when somebody's coming at you and they're like this, you're going, "Well, it's going to hit me hard," not realizing that that person might not be as strong as you, or you might be stronger and or faster. So you know, and that was my coach kept saying, he's saying, you know, yes, he's bigger but you're faster. So if he never puts his hands on you or grab you, or if you're not too close where he can dive and get you and tackle you, then you're going to be fine. He said, so take my advice, run really fast. <laughs> and that's what I did. Yeah. And, um, yeah. me, and, me and my family, we're, we're shorter. We're on the shorter mm-hmm. side. And um, one of the things that it's our goal, but I mean, it might not, might or might not be accomplishable right. is to be tall because, mm-hmm. um, in society, um, celebrities that are um, females, right. they're they're on the they're on the taller side. And mm-hmm. most, yeah, I understand. I know where you're going. Yes, like I'm five. I'm five two right now. Okay, I would hope to grow a little more. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, when a taller batter comes up in the box, I mean, my coach tells me to play back or something. Right. 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 So it's 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 definitely a mental toll, but it's also the idea of um, the taller the shorter players are faster. So 
you still have an advantage. You just got to, you just got to know how to do it. I mean, it's the same thing as when students come into karate class. You know, a lot of them, I mean, we don't really get, I mean, the karate schools are designed to bring kids in that are not that athletic kid, not great at soccer, you know, baseball can't really hit the ball really hard. I'm afraid the ball's coming too fast. And so karate attracts the students that are not good at playing other sports. So when they get here, now it's time to build those guys up as they go. Girls or guys, whoever's you know, whoever's in your class going through. I mean, and that's a big part of it because I remember I was that kid. But once I started to, you know, to earn some titles and do some certain things, I realized that side had size had really nothing to do with it. It was my mind. And then when you like you just said, if you watch things on TV, everybody's taller. You watch things on TV, they're bigger, they're stronger. Everything is geared toward bigger, stronger, faster. And so you at some point you go, well, I'm never gonna be able to do that because I'm not big enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not tall enough. Okay. When the good part about karate is that you don't really have to be. It it helps in any sport. I mean, 100 percent that it helps, but you don't have to be. And once you can get it in their mind to say, you know, um, you don't have to be the biggest and the tallest to be the baddest in the room, to have the most confidence in the room, then it changes. Because one of my uh, one of my instructors, he was 5'2". He was the best in the school. And I said, you're the shortest in the school. That's what I said to me myself. I said, and every time I watched him, watched him spar or work a drill or teach a class, I was like, you had the best pretty much the best skill level here. And you did short, as I said, so, and then I would watch the taller guys go against him. He would maneuver around, he would hit him real hard. And I was like, okay, now I don't have to worry about it. So now I'm gonna get race size out of my head and now I'm gonna work on my skill because I saw it, you know? And I was a lower belt level when I saw him and I was like, man, I wonder if I can get there, yeah. you know, hard work. And you said something about titles, like you earned a lot of titles. Was that kickboxing? Right. That was, that, that was in kickboxing, yeah. So I was the number one amateur kickboxer. So I won that uh, as I was a kickboxer um, when I first started. I was an amateur. And then once I graduated from high school, I turned professional right out of high school. I went pro. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my God. That is crazy. That is absolutely crazy. And I remember as a kid, I used to see you. And I just saw you as my instructor because I didn't right. put together the idea. And then I grew older, and then you started talking to my brother about, like, um, football. Getting oh, right, right. And then it hit me. Man, he was a professional. That, that, it, 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 you know? Yeah. That's part of it, because a lot of students come in. The first time you meet me in the karate school, I'm your karate instructor. So we're working on the focus and the discipline, and we're working on all that. I'm talking to your parents, saying how good you're doing in school, at home. And so – you forget as we're working that the guy that's teaching me how to kick and punch and move around, like he was a professional doing this. He was ranked number 10 in the world at this sport. Like he was one of the elite players doing his time competing in what he's teaching me. So he has a lot of experience, but you don't think about it because I'm your karate instructor and I have a karate uniform on. You don't see me in the ring or boxing around, you know? So it's hard sometimes to put that together for a person to get the perspective to go, he's my instructor, but he also accomplished these things. So they, now if they would have met me first as a fighter and had a chance to watch me compete and then came to the karate class, it would have been different. Because when I was younger, 
I was still competing when I was working at some of the other Christ schools I was teaching for. And the students first saw me compete. And then they were like, hey, the guy's competing, they're doing all these things. He also teaches at the Christ school here. And so they would all come to the Christ school. So for them, it was different because they knew they were learning from a kickboxing champion. The students that didn't see that, they were, well, he's my karate instructor. So why do you guys keep talking about the other things that he's doing? Because he's my instructor. And so it, it was a different perspective as it was going through. And even the kids now, I have to kind of take them in the office and say, hey, you know, I used to do this, right? They go, oh, yeah, really? I say, yeah. So it's, it's interesting. And if you, you, okay, so um, karate has, like, different branches to it. Like you said before, like, if you like sparring, you can go into kickboxing. Right. And say you like the forms. Is there, like, a competition that you Oh, as a, uh, yeah, the karate, that's where I started. I didn't do the karate forms because most of the karate tournaments you go to, there you have you can do what they call point sparring. Then they have weapons. Then they have traditional forms. And so most of the students, you know, you would compete in all three if you had the skill set for it. Some were very fast and liked the action of the sparring. They would do that. And then some students would just form competitors. I've trained with a lot of. Uh, form competitors coming through and I learned a lot like they were really like they had to dedicate themselves as much as we did far as their fighting and that's what I was, I was like wow like you guys are training as much as what we're doing just to go out there for two minutes and work on your traditional forms and you could compete against it. yeah so that's when I gained, gained a different respect for that because I was like like you guys are training hard like four or five hours a day to go and compete for two minutes yeah, so I see kids in my school. Um, well, when we were obviously in person, mm. um, in elementary school, we had this thing called field day. Yes, yeah. and the, some of the kids from uh, maybe Master Cho's or like uh -huh. different um, areas of like Taekwondo, right? Yep, present like a technique, and it would last like um, two minutes, but like you can see that they they did a lot of preparation for that. A lot of practice. Yeah, a lot of practice. Yeah. You, you know what? Because you're a competitor in your mind, like you're, you're you know, you would actually, even though you're physical, you would like doing forms because once you, once you can look at it and not see what you might saw, the dancing part of it, I'm not going to make any kind. Once you could have worked with a group that were form competitors, and you would have saw how physical and in shape and competitive they were, it would have changed your mind. Because then you'd have been like, okay, they're like me, but they're doing that. So I need to do that. And then you would have realized how hard it was to do some of the moves and it would have changed you. Because the group that I trained with, I was a fighter, always been a fighter. They were at a school that I was at, which was a very uh, um, high level school at the time. They've probably ranked like one or two in the world. And I, you know, I was there. So I was like, you know, what's the, you know, you guys are out there competing against each other. I respect you, but it's not like what we did. And I had to go back to what I said at the beginning until I went to watch him train. That changed everything. And you, you would have liked that because you have to be very physically strong to do the moves. Yeah. And it's very challenging because a lot of the high tech kicks and spins, it, it would have challenged, it would have pushed you to the end. Yeah. I mean, I, I like a good challenge as much as the next Oh, you don't have a challenge. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I mean, did you – so, obviously, you need some type of background in it 
like you need to have some athletic ability, right? Yes. Like you can't get be afraid of getting hit. So, to, if you're going to be a, a competitor in any sport, one, you have to have that drive. Two, if it's a physical sport, you know, soccer players, basketball players, football players, hockey, field hockey, girls play. I mean, you know, and, and in boxing, in kickboxing, it, it's a lot of contact. And it's not for everybody. Like, you physically have to be able to have certain characteristics about you that works. Can I take a punch, you know, and successfully recover really fast for it? Can I punch hard? Can I kick hard? You know what I mean? You know, can I build my body up strong enough where I can last for a long time doing, the, you know, the competition because it's not just two minutes. You got to do three or four rounds of competition. So, you know, I had a competition team here for, for years when I first moved back to Richmond and we won between 11 national and state titles and one world title. And out of all the kids that competed, the first thing I would tell the parents to say, they might be great in karate class, but this is not karate class. Like this is this is this is real competition. And not saying that your child cannot do it or work to a level because I didn't start off as a champ. I really had to work a lot to get there. I said, but there's one thing that I learned. It, it takes a different type of mindset to be able to do it because every day you walk in there, there is a huge fear factor. Like you're going to get hit doing your training, you know, basketball. I can, you know, play, you know, I could play a lot of basketball and all the things you do for us, dribbling and shooting and, you know, playing defense. It's physical, but nobody is out there with the intent to hit you. And, you know, in kickboxing and even in karate class, uh, you know, once they get to a certain level, the intent is to hit the person. And that's when it changes because that's what you practice on every day, getting hit or hitting someone else. Yeah. And one of the things that I think is really important in really any sport, considering like chess, even chess, yeah, debating, the mindset that you need to have and that I hold is a narcissistic mindset. Well, I can see where you would go with that because – it, it, it's, you know, sometimes being a champion or being good has to be somewhat in a selfish way where I'm the best. This is who I am. This is how I feel. Everybody needs to know. But you can do it in a way. I, 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 I'm going to give you an example. There were a couple of guys that I came through with that were like that. It was about them, all about them. And they got to a state level, maybe a regional level, but they never made it to the international level. Because even though when you play a sport that you're depending on yourself, tennis, you know, something, you know, that it's about you. You have to think about that, but you need a coach. And your coach is your guy. Like when I was a fighter, I had a strength conditioning coach, and then I had my Overall, my trainer that trained me with kicking and punching and blocking and defense and all that, you would never make it without them. And when I changed coaches, I didn't do as well. So then I realized that that coach is your guy. You're as good as your coach. All of my fighters, um, you know, during the times of air training, we got a lot of titles that we've won. There were three times that I was either had to travel or not there, and they lost their fights. 
which was good about it is that we had an opportunity to sit down and talk about why. And I said, you guys have been winning all of your fights doing great. I said, why do you think you lost without me? I said, and before you answer, it's not about me. But why do you think you lost without me being there? And of course, you know, where the guy was better. We went through this. Well, you know, my other coach told me this and you would have told me that. So once we got through all that narrative we was going through, I was like, when we're training together, sometimes when you're out there competing, I'm coaching you. But I'm coaching you from a level that I have a world-class experience on being inside what you're doing. So now when that guy is moving around, I can tell you, hey, I need you to move left and throw this, I need you to shift that. Say, so you're doing the physical part, but I'm mentally guiding you like a video game. I say, I'm mentally guiding you through. And then when you come to the corner, I'm teaching you how to relax. And I'm telling you exactly what to look for. I said, you don't have the experience to look for that. I've given that to you. So without me there, you're not as good because you don't have my mind with that experience to guide you. And I said, in fighting, that becomes very important because if the person is better than you, then what are you going to do? Kick faster? Punch harder? Okay, let's try that and see if it works. And so, you know, you really understand that, yes, when you walk in there, you got to have the confidence of a person that's like that, that it's about me. But deep down, you know, that that person that's, that's giving you that water when you come into the corner, they're as either more or as much important as you. And once you get that clear, then it's good that you can say, okay, now I can be a champion in my head and I can go out there and beat my chest because I understand where I need to be in my head. Okay. It needs to be about me because I'm competing by myself. But I can't do it without that person behind me. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. And when I met like the narcissistic mindset, mm-hmm. he was also referring to I had like a debate competition this weekend. Oh wow. Yeah. I mean, not to brag, but I did yeah. I did get the best delegate. There you go. And one of the things that I really had to emphasize there was I'm the seventh I'm one of the middle schoolers in the midst of high schoolers. Right. And that's also when I think about, because I'm one of the shorter players in my group of basketball players as well. So I kind of mm-hmm. have to have that overconfidence in my head. Obviously, to succeed in this society and to succeed in right. life, you do need to be humble. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can't show that out there. But in the debate competition, nobody was listening to me. Nobody was listening to my ideas. Right. It was one of those where um, it, you pretend like it's mm-hmm. the government like we were talking about the idea of Pearl Harbor. And okay. It was listening to me because I didn't have that much power behind me because I mm-hmm. was a general for um, army. Okay. Everybody else was like president. Right. So I really had to be like, hold on one second, one second, and kind of stop the conversation and bring in my idea. Mm-hmm. One of the minds, because my brother is a pretty good debater. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he came in in the middle and told me, you're not doing so well because you're not thinking that your idea is the most important. Right. If you don't stop them and tell them, wait, it make what you're saying is making sense, but this might help more. Mm-hmm. So in that idea, it would help more to think more of yourself in that sense. And, mm-hmm. and also it would work on literally sports as well. Cause um, 
it, 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 it could work, but let because you have to be able to control it. I mean, it, it, you know, it's a physical part that you do, then it's a mental part. If you can't control your mental, which is 80%, yeah, I, I, I have competed against a lot of guys that I was afraid of because of how they carry themselves. You know, their look, their physique, how they talk, their swagger. And I have beat myself up in the head preparing to fight for them because I was like, I'm not that cool. I can't do that, you know, until I hit them. And then it all changed. I was like, oh, so you're doing this to, to build your own self up because deep down inside, you're not as strong. And, I, and, I, and, and, and one of my fighters had to fight a guy like that. And I said, let me tell you, I said, every guy that worried me with his swag, how good he is, and you know, we're doing interviews. I said, I knocked out every last one of them because I realized one thing. They were doing that because they didn't have the confidence. See, so it, it so I, I understand where you're going because you have to know that your idea is right. Let's look at what I did. Open up a karate school, doing what I do now, have my own karate system. At some point, I had to tell all the grandmasters, "Mine is better than yours," right? Okay, but it it, it came from a confidence level, but a respect level. So. You know, you can go in there. With, you can go in there sometimes with too much confidence too, because I went into my U.S. title fight with too much confidence and I lost. Yeah. So, and 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 I and I, um, I talk about that story a lot because it was a time that I said, now I have to show the world how bad I am. You know, that I'm the guy, and y'all need to pay attention to me and my training, and because I do things, you know. Uh, not traditional for our training. So I'm the right one. Y'all need to follow me. This is it. And I lost because I got too much into me. I, I thought that I was the reason why I was doing those things. And I was overconfident and I lost. I never did it again. And I teach my fighters. I said, I want you to feel like you're the king of the world, but you got to be careful because you got to control it. And if you can't control it, then you're no good at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then you know, I mean, you can, you can always be confident, but, you, but, it's a control thing. Like it's a lot of my students here that come in and they're the confident ones. You know, I'm doing good in school. I do great at home. What happens when they spar? Exactly. Now that kid that can't pay attention and can't stay online, you see him in class. The ones I'm always talking to the parents. As soon as we say go doing sparring, that confident kid is crying and the other kid is having fun. So it's different types of confidence that you got, you got to focus on, but I understand what you mean about you have to be confident in yourself and you have to trust that what you say is right and you have to be willing to fail. If you're not afraid to fail, you'll make it. Yeah. One of the yeah. things that I do is outside of the court. Outside of the court, I'm the most humble person you'll see. I'm not yeah. going to brag about myself. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, as a matter of fact, I'll help you. I'll help you get better. But when, but game time, you can't be like that, right? See, so yeah. right? You can't, you can't be like that when you play. That's it. Yeah, but that's different. That's being it. See, think about what you just said. See, you are controlling. Yeah. Because you said before the game, I'm humble. Hey, I'm gonna give you a high five. How you doing? I want you guys to have a great job. Everybody be safe. 
until the whistle blow or the bell rings, then you're like, okay, now I'm gonna rip your head off. But once I rip your head off, I'm gonna give it back to you and I'm gonna fix your hair and we'll be, we'll be friends. So that's just having that, you know, com- com- competitive spirit where you can turn it on, you know what I mean? And that's the, um, that's the thing. I mean, look at a lot of players that they're like that. They can turn that switch on, but they can also turn it off. And I feel like that's a really good – I feel like that's a good idea. I feel like that's one of the – almost like the keys to success. Because I've seen that in boxers. Not mm-hmm. kickboxers, but because I, yeah. I mean – Yeah, I'm, yeah. Bo- bo- oh, yeah, because I learned a lot of mine from boxing. So I just yeah. – yeah. Yeah. So um, there's this boxer named Anthony. Um, I can't remember his last name at the moment. But he holds that policy, and he's only – he's one of the only ones. Outside of the rank, you are my best friend. Uh, not my best friend, but <laughs> like right. we can be friends. But as soon as I go in, I'm a hundred percent. I'm not gonna pity you at all. Let me tell you, ninety nine point nine nine point nine nine percent of all boxers they're like that because we're risking our life to go out there, and it's not about friends. I have competed in a um, in a match against friends that I had trained with. And I knew that coming through. My trainers always say, hey, you got to be careful because so many guys in what we call your stable that's training with you, you guys are close to the same weight division. You might end up at some point, because of your skill set, fighting against each other. I have fought against some of my best friends I'm friends with now. And when the bell rang, we both decided to say, we're going to compete at the highest level that we can because that's why we're here. Whoever wins, wins. Whoever loses, loses. But after we finish, we'll go back to being friends. But when that bell rings, you don't know me and I don't know you. So that's what you have to do. And and to be good at any sport, that that's a big part of it, you know. But it's still control because think about what we did. Before, we're good. Doing, we're not. After, we have dinner. You know what I mean? So, and, and, and you know, Again, that's having a good sportsmanship, too, because, you know, a competitor, you don't have to be sorry for competing. Yeah. You know, yeah. someone's going to win, someone's going to lose. If you can't take losing, don't compete. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because if you compete against me, I'm going to be at the highest level possible. My goal is to destroy whatever's in the way. And if you're in the way, okay, okay, sorry. You know, but don't do it. You know, like I tell the kids in here, I said, you know, why are you going to run track? And then when you lose, you're sore of lose because the guy's fashioning you. Like you're gonna like don't do it. Yeah. Or either or either compete in a way where you do it at your best, you go, you know what, I got second place because last year I was eighth place, so I feel good, you know. But and a lot of lot, lot of kids are like that now. You know what I mean? I see it in sports, I see um, you know, a lot of the, the parents that are yeah. doing certain things on the field, and we we won't get, get into that too much, but you know, and I understand it because I've been a competitor, I've been a coach, I'm a parent, so I'm one of those parents that stand on the sideline going, no, no, yeah, so I understand it, but at the same time, um, to be a top-level competitor, to be top-level in anything in life, you got to have the spirit that you're going to be a shark, and everybody else is just there for you to eat. Yeah, yeah. and it's underestimated how good, how good truly good professionals are. Yeah, yeah, the mindset. So one, one thing that it teaches you, and that's what I try to get across to students say karate, I said, no, karate's fine, karate's good, but if you learn what it takes to be focused and disciplined, 
if you try to compete at your highest level, you'll learn a lot about yourself. Yeah. yeah. And that's what you need to do. You need, you need to, you need to do martial arts long enough where it reveal who you are deep inside. And that's when you start to grow, yeah. but you don't start to grow until you start to fail. And that's where people get afraid. I don't want to fail. Okay. You're not going to grow. You're not going to grow. You're not going to grow. No. And what, I mean, I learned that the hard way. I learned that the very, very hard way. Because, I mean, a lot of this relates to my life playing sports. Because yes. I played basketball and softball. But when I played softball, I played rec, recreational. Uh-huh. And then I moved to travel. Now, I, <laughs> I was the best one in recreational. Yeah, man, you're at right. I did. I, I did good. I did good at tryouts. But then the reason I made the team that I'm on right now um, is because they needed more shortstops. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, because, I mean, this is my first travel team. So right. I'm, behind, I'm behind everybody else right now because I'm 12 years old. I should right. be third or fourth travel team. Okay. Yeah. So as of now, um, I am the start starter, but it was, it was a rough ride because at the beginning I wasn't. And I was like, man, what am I going to do? I'm, I, I don't, I don't play, this is my first year playing travel. What, mm-hmm. what did they expect me to do? And one of the key things is watching. watching. Yes. Yeah. Cause I realized I wasn't um, sitting down low enough and all, that's why all the balls were going through my glove. Okay. Okay. And I kept watching. Oh, she's faster than me. Okay. Shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. I worked on it at home. My dad threw me tennis balls, which go faster. Mm-hmm. And our- then, uh, Right. Right. So your reaction time is faster. Right. So I kept working like that, and now I'm the starter. But obviously, there's going to be ups and downs, more ups and downs. When I took a break for winter break, I shouldn't have done that, but I I took a break. And a lot of this technique stuff that I don't like, but I spent time working on, I lost a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. And it's hard Discipline. to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Do your Do your girls play any sports? Um, my my youngest one was a level eight gymnast. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. So, you know, when she came through, she started gymnastics at about five, six years old and she competed till she was about 16. But that was, you know, she started at an hour three times a week. No, well, an hour, an hour a day for three times a week. And then her last four or five years of gymnastics, it was three hours a day, four days a week. Yeah. So, so you're, yeah. So you're dedicated. You're living there. My, my oldest daughter, she's in the theater and, and doing stuff like that. Yeah. But still a lot, of, still a lot, you know, a lot, a lot of time, a lot of work into it um, as you go. But yeah. And I, I should tell her the same. I said, you know, if you want to be good, you gotta, you gotta reach deep inside and failing has to be what you're shooting for all the time. I mean, you're a gym. So, you know, you're going to, you're on a beam that's five foot up, four foot off the ground and four inches. Yeah. Yeah, try doing a flip and hitting that on your shoulder. And then your coach said, that was great, but we need to do it again because you need to keep your head this way. With that pain in your head, knowing that as soon as I leave my feet, that pain comes there really quick to remind you of a mistake. Yeah, Yeah, but again, it's fear. It's fear and it's confidence. So if you don't think that you're good, you're going to fail really fast in that that sport. And with all that training, like I'm I'm sure you did it the same amount of training right. to your professional level, but you really had to know what you were going to do. Like once you spent that much time, you can't go back. Uh, that's interesting because you know what? 
I, I, I never thought I was going to be a professional fighter. I just wanted to compete at a level higher than what I was doing as an amateur. I was like, you know, because my mom was like, are you going to go to school, son? Are you going to? I said, well, mom, I can always go back to school. But I know that from watching and from studying that youth is going to play a big part competing as a professional. As I get older, my skills are going to start to diminish. I said, so I have a window of opportunity. And so I said, you know what? I'll do it for a year. If I do good, I'll continue. If not, then I'll move on. Then I'm, okay, I'm going to do it another year. And I just kept going and kept going and kept going. You know, so, you know, it's one of those things that I didn't figure it out late because I was clear on my goals, but I didn't think that I was standing as long as I did because of how many students or, or competitors I saw get injured. Like when you're in the back in the locker room, you see what people don't see on TV, what they don't go through. And that changed it because you know that you're going to get injured, win or lose. When you finish, you're injured. And that injury sometimes is for the rest of your life. But nobody sees that because you come out and you do it like this. And you go out and you raise your hand. And you got all these belts on you and you're in great shape. People's like, oh, he's great. But they, they don't see what happens behind the scenes. And it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot of rehab that I'm, I'm continuing to do now. Like all my training – I mean, it was good, and I'm, I'm excited that I accomplished what I did. But I have to train every day just rehabbing and keeping where I can do my martial arts on a certain level every day. So that was the price I paid, you know? That's one of the scariest things about playing sports, specifically at a younger age, because I've seen some of my friends, like, tear their, like, leg, leg muscles or something. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. Yeah, like hurt their spine. And I'm like, what? What? Can you play? Can you still continue to play? And they're like, yeah, I can recover in a few months. Maybe, maybe not. And I'm and like, what? Doesn't that not scare you? Do you not want to do this for the rest of your life? Is this not a possibility? It is. So. And, and, and that's any sport. I mean, look, look how many stories. I mean, because, you know, because I've had the opportunity for over 40 years to work with a lot of kids. I have, you, you would be surprised on even some of the students that was in your class, the injuries that they have sometimes accidentally had, sometimes just not paying attention. But you'd be surprised how many students stop karate because of injuries. At a young age, your mom was like, well, his ankle is going to be only 50% now, whereas arm, um, he can't do this now. You know what I mean? You, you, it's, it's a lot. And sometimes it could be just riding your skateboard. So guys could be climbing a tree and I fell, but there's a lot of injuries. I mean, so the ones that make it through, yeah. you know, hats off. Be, be grateful because there are a lot that didn't. Yeah, and I've seen like a pattern. I feel like those are in the people that are either really competitive or really careless. Right. And I'm one of those with really competitive energy. And the idea of, again, like, Maybe I, I dove for a ball and now right. my ankle's hurting. Can I can I play the rest of the game? Right. And like the competition level increases. And when I was um when I was in karate before I took a break, right. I loved that competitive energy there. Because I had the set of friends that I was competing to get a belt higher. A belt. Right, right, right. Yeah, as she was going. Right, yeah competition but it was still like I want a belt I want the blue belt before right. yeah 
and again, I was, I, I hate myself so much for that, but I was on a set road to do well in karate. And then I'm pretty sure it was just like a discipline issue. Yes. Because I just didn't, I didn't want to do it. And I didn't have that urge to push myself. Right, I, right. I didn't want to do it originally after seeing my brother. But at one point it was like, I, my parents were just taking me and I liked it, but it was that competitive energy. It got to me at one point. Right. right. I didn't have that age nor the discipline to push through. And, you know, sometimes, you know, so, sometimes it works like you didn't, and, 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 and being younger. So what I try to explain to students and parents when they come in now is that parents sometimes have to make that decision for you because you were too young to have a reference on why you were doing karate. Now, if you think about it, being as competitive as you are right now, Think about if you would have stayed without taking a break and really got into what we did. And I only got into what we did. Let's say that you have stayed long enough and we would have, you would have started to question me about things, right? Because now, you, now you're competitive, right? So you say, oh, well, now we got, you know, a karate instructor. Then you go, wow, well, he competed. Well, let me talk to him. I'm a competitor. And now think about at that age, if I would have been able to share with you what I do with some of my students because I still have a lot of uh, students outside of karate that I've had for the last 20, 24 years that if they're coming through and they're young athletes, I work with them. I do it outside of karate because that's what I did, you know? And so you didn't know that. So if you didn't know that, you said, you think about how far ahead you could have been because I would have been able to share with you if you want to be a competitor, there are certain things you have to be able to do. Number one, you got to be able to do this. Okay. Discipline and being able to stay to what you're doing, stay stay on course. You got because yeah, think about it. It takes about 20 hours to really learn or to do something that's new. It takes 10,000 hours to master it. Most people end up somewhere in between. So you got to figure out where you want to be. Okay. So if you'd have looked at it like that, you, you know, we could have talked, you know, because say, look, you can stop, you can quit. That's your choice. If you're not having fun, you don't have to do it. But the thing is, is that you're, you're missing the opportunity at a young age to teach yourself what it takes to drive through and then be a winner. And being a winner means that there are going to be a lot of sad days. There's going to be a lot of days you want to do it. And there's going to be a lot of days where you think you're just wasting your time. There's many times I would go to the gym. I was like, like, why am I doing this? Like, what am I going to get out of this at the end? You know, until you win a title, you go, okay, that's why I was doing it because they're going to be some low times and they're going to be some, but it taught me the discipline to stick to something. You know what I mean? And that's what I always teach the students and teach my kids. I said, you know, think about something that you want to do. Like my youngest one, I said, pick three gymnasts that you love, you know, Dominique Dawes, that would be like that. I said, read her books. Go interview her so she can tell you how many hours it took for her to do that one skill, how many years it took to mature to the level to do it in an international or world class where you wouldn't fall off the beam. That's what you talk to her about. So she can tell you what it takes. She said, you know what? Stick to it for five years and then come see me because that's really what it's going to take. But then what did you do? Oh, I want to do it five years. She goes, well, you're not going to be able to do it. See, so you don't have that drive anyway. 
Yeah. And so, and that's what karate, that's why sticking to it and going to black belt. That's why it becomes so important because once you get older, you realize that if you want to reach a goal, stop. You need short goals because you need to build your confidence as you go. But you need to have a long goal that you at least do in something in your life. You know what I mean? So you can go, okay, I can accomplish this. I know it's not going to happen tomorrow. That helps. Yeah. And the reason I believe um, for me not having interest in some ideas and aspects is right because I like to be rare and that comes in handy at times, but at times it doesn't really go over well. So when everybody's pushing the same idea, I don't want to do it. But now uh-huh. people don't like it, and if people are like, um, I, they don't help me with it, like sports. Right. My parents right. are completely like devoted right. all the time to training. Well, well, you know, and and, and it, I mean, it comes down to, I mean, you gotta think. Nine percent of the people every day wants to be comfortable. Five or ten percent want to be uncomfortable. And do those things that nobody's ever done, you know, or go in a different direction, you know. And, you know, I re- uh, remember doing an interview when I was younger and somebody interviewed my mom. And it was like, well, how was how was Roger as a kid? And she was like, he was different. Like he was like he was I don't know why or what she goes. I can't like give it to you like he's different because he does this. He goes, but his mindset was different. Like he wanted to do something that you could told him he couldn't do. Or he's gonna do something that you that he thought that nobody else did, so he's gonna do it. I mean, that that's how I made it as far as I, you know what I mean? That that was what I did. That's why I created my own system. I was like, well, why can't I do it? Yeah. Well, you're not A and B and C. I said, but why? Yeah. The person did somebody tell Bruce Lee he couldn't do it? I mean, so you gotta think about it. I mean, think about somebody as famous as Bruce Lee, Chuck Norris, all those guys, you know. Um, one day they had to go. Yeah, well, I'm going to do it like this no matter what you do, and I'm going to go on. You know what I mean? I'm not going to follow the old traditional masters. I'm going to do it my way and see what happens. Yeah. That's why we're here now. I mean, that's why I'm taking karate. That's why he took karate, because I got motivated by watching those guys. You know what I mean? But they didn't do it traditionally. They went their own route. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what creates successful people. That's why. It is. It is. It, 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 and um, not everybody's like that. It's a it's a it's a weird small group that's like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Depending on how I mean, everybody dreams when they're a kid. Every like right. My parents dreamed of coming to America. My parents dreamed of being doctors. Yes. Yeah, and they weren't able to achieve those goals. And I know friends. I know some of my older friends that wanted to be pilots when they grow up. They wanted to be actors when they grew up. And they were idealistic when they were a kid. But again, the mindset changes. And now they want to be realistic. They want to be an IT worker. They want to be somebody in marketing. So the idea changes. And the rare few that do want to stick to what they're doing or do want to stick to their idealistic mindset are the top 2%. It's it's a small, because let's think about it. And even I tell the students that come here. I had a parent one day. Me and the parent had a long talk, and I, and it's funny because the parent uh, we, we're three very good friends now, and now he had kids on his own. And he goes, 
Like, why do you tell kids they can't accomplish something when you're their karate instructor, you're supposed to be building confidence? I say, I want, I want them to be realistic about what they do, even now. You know, I said, I want, I mean, it's good. And I do the same. I'm a parent. You know, you can do anything you want. I mean, you know, the reality of it is, is that you can't. Well, if, I want, if, I want, if I wanted to be a basketball player, I could have, but I can't, couldn't jump that high. Right. Not that tall. Okay. And so no matter how hard I would have tried, I didn't have the attributes to do that. No matter how much passion I had for it. But well, Mr. Dandy, there, there, so there are short, yeah. shorter basketball players, uh-huh. but they still make up for it in like dribbling. So if you wanted to. You know, see, this, this is the thing. There are some great uh, basketball players out there that are very short, very talented. How many? Let's let's think about how many. See, because I've, I've I've done a little work on that when I was coming through, and I had to say before I stand out in front of these students or these parents and tell them I'm gonna do some research. And if you do your research, look how many that's ever done it. That percent is like three percent. But what happens is that we take that three percent because oh, but such and such did it. You can do it. Look at him. Yeah, but look how many of look how many of that guy, basketball player, under 5'5", five, five, tried to do it because they had the passion to do it, they had the drive to do it, and never made it. And so the 3% that make it, we always go, see, you can do anything, look at what he did, stick to it. Yeah, they don't tell you that there was 30 million of him that failed. But it was also the 30 million that didn't, that stopped midway. I mean, there's a whole group that stopped midway. Right. They didn't do enough. They didn't co- fully commit to it. Because if you are one of the 3%, or if you are one of the few I, people that are trying to do something that's not in the ordinary, then uh-huh. you've got to commit to it. Like, you got to post videos of yourself and, like, publicize it. Right. Right. There's different aspects to it. Right. And right. as a box, as a kickboxer yourself, mm-hmm. you probably have to do some marketing to get into where you are. Oh, you had to do a lot, but let me tell you what I learned on the way. See, see, this is what I learned on the way. I've competed against some guys, and I've had some guys in my camp, and I've met some coaches, and I've met a lot of fighters. I've been in, you know, like over 40 years, and I still love the sport. I still work with, with fighters. And until today, I can tell you, even keeping up with boxing and kickboxing and the UFC now, which, which is really big, those guys, th- those competitors and the females now are, are extremely good. Like they're, uh, they are some of the top out there now. I mean, I don't, yeah, they, they, they have, they have gone to a level now where there is no return. Like they will be the elite now. Yeah. So you no longer can go, well, this is the women's division. This is the men that, that for, for UFC, that's almost over. I mean, they're that good in their training and their knowledge. It's amazing. Okay. But with all that being said, it, 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 it that 3%, if you would sit down sometime, they got a chance to talk to the 3%. They're so rare in the way they do things or how they physically are built that they were able to overcome certain things because they had that 1% of something in their body or mind that we just don't have, see? And you can't change it. 
So you can't change it. You know what I mean? Let's look at, and some of it is genetic because I've talked to enough doctors and enough people in the industry that says, why did that person did and this person not with this type of drive and that type of mindset? Like, how can you not accomplish something with that passionate mindset? And, you know, in sports, I've heard a lot of coaches say, you know, remember you ever heard this? So they say, well, that person has the it factor. See, see, so it doesn't matter how hard you try sometimes and your passion. If you don't possess that it factor that no one can teach you and you can't develop it, it's just who you are and your genetic makeup, then you ain't going to go but so far. See, you see. And so it's, 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 it's you know, and you got to be very careful when you when we talk about things like this, because when students come in here, I want them to think that they can achieve anything they want in life. And I'm going to be behind them 100%. And if they fail, I'm going to pick them up and say, come on, because I, somebody dragged me to the finish line. I'm going to drag you because you're going to make it no matter what. You're not going to quit. You can fail, but you can't quit. Can't give up. But at the end of the day, if you're playing a sport, you have to have the it factor to be the elite. And even some of the basketball, football, all the different players we see, even those guys in, as a professional sitting on the bench, they might not be as good as some of the Michael Jordans and Kobe Bryant's all we hear about, but they have the it factor. See? The, yeah, they're, they're, they're still the elite of the world. The amazing part is that there's someone better than them. That's the crazy part. And so if you don't have that, you, you, you know, in, in sports, it just doesn't work because it, 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 you know, you're competing against someone that's better or as good as you, and they have the it factor. So if you don't have it, how do you compete? Yeah. Mr. Dabney, what was your it, it factor? Um, mine was... Uh, um, I, I didn't like people telling me that I couldn't achieve something. So mine was a mental thing, chip that I carried for a long time. And it was like, you know, I mean, all my life, you're small, you're shy, you're this, you're that. And when I broke through that, that was just fuel. Yeah, yeah. As soon as I broke through, that, that was fuel, okay? So... That was the thing on that. Once I got to that level, I was like, well, there's zero stop. I mean, that was that was how I got to school. That was how I earned everything. That was how I got my, you know, did. So everything I've done was because I had a list. They say, like, well, you know, I had a guy tell me one time, he goes, well, you're not going to be a karate instructor because of A, B, and C. And I was like, well, why would you say that? He was like, well, karate instructors have to carry this and they have to be able to do that. And he was like, well, you know, you don't, you don't naturally have those things. So I did it. You know, my friends said, well, you're not going to be a top fighter because of this. Well, I did it. Yeah. You know, well, you're not going to win a title. So I did it. You know what I mean? So mine was a drive of that mental, I'm going to do that. You know? I mean, I mean, that's, that's really cool. Because a lot of people in society say you can't do it. You can't do it. Right. A lot of people also say, okay, fine. I can't do it. I can't do it. Mm -hmm. But again, to be that 3% and get there is just amazing. Right. Yeah. And again, I was trying to say this earlier, but okay. the mindset that you carry 
was you got to face against politics, right? Because technically, the people that say that also have bias in their mind. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If, you, if, you, if you're going to be a competitor, I mean, they have politics in all sports. It's, it, it is what it is. You can't change it. Uh, it's been there for a long time. It's a group that's been there for a long time. They want to see certain groups that's helped them personally achieve. And, you know, in order to stay at that level, I mean, you know, you make some decisions that's sometimes not fair. You know, that's hard because you, we all see it in all sports. You know what I mean? And you, you, it's, it's, it's not going to, unfortunately, it's not going to change. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's part of it. And, and if you're not, if you're not strong enough to understand that, like I had a good coaching team and it was like, look, you got to realize that at some point in your career, you're going to get to a level where they're going to ask you to lose because this next guy is coming up. And, and if he gets off course, then the sport might not get as at the level that they can. So we need him because he's a better selling market. I mean, he sells better in the market. Um, you know, he's got this, this, this it thing, but he could get knocked off if he's not very careful, but if he gets to a certain level and then he's able to, um, create some money or create some finances in there. Like, look at what Tiger Woods did to, to golf. Nobody was making that much money until him. Now everybody's come behind him. is benefiting off that. Yeah. So imagine if he was coming through and there was a tournament that if he would have won, they would have put it up here. Right. Yeah. You would have been like, you know what? You need to miss this one. Well, you need to let him win. Because if you do, you're going to be to earn 10 more million dollars in another year by doing that. Because he needs to be the one that we're marketing to get that money. So that happens in all sports. Does that ever happen to you? Oh, it happens all the time. It happens to everybody. You're going to get to a certain level. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, part. Yeah, if you don't like that part, don't do it. Well, what if you, what if you do win over him? What they, they have their ways of putting roadblocks in front of you where you don't succeed the way that you want to. They control everything you do, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, the, the Boxing Commission and the people that are the promoters, they control everything. So if they don't give you a fight, what are you going to do? You, you can't go fight until you sign a contract, until they agree on, on a financial part that you're going to get. So if they don't agree on it, you don't fight. Don't oh, care. Okay. Yeah, don't care. Yeah. Yeah, you can't do it yourself. No matter, no matter if I wanted to compete against someone, I'd say, well, you know, they actually in the ring. Who do you want to challenge next because you're doing good? It doesn't matter what I say. If they say no, then it's no. It's nothing you can do. Yeah. So, so you got to realize that you don't control anything anyway. Yeah. They control everything that you do. Yeah, and that makes sense on that you can't do whatever you want to do because there's always people watching. Always, it's always going to be roadblocks. Um, always going to be there. Okay, yeah. And if people really don't want you to win, you're not going to win. It's, sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. That's absolutely crazy because you can have the skill, but now you just can't. Win. Yeah, we you get the roadblocks in there, something could happen. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot to it. Yeah. yeah. And to, I mean, hands off to you. Like you still continued. I mean, you just had that passion. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. yeah. What I mean, does what does what does know mean? You just knock again. <laughs> yeah. And I guess honestly, I think that's something to do with your age, like the way the how young you started. It, yeah, and that's why, you know, I tell students now, I mean, if you can get started in a sport 
that you can build that confidence, that discipline, and that drive, and that focus early, then it helps because you're going to run into roadblocks. You're going to be able to get past them, and things happen in life. You know what I mean? You know, people get sick, illness happen. You know what I mean? Um, so, you know, you have to be able to get your mindset that you can just drive through, whether it's homework or whether it's dealing with your sisters and brothers. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that kid that made you realize that you needed to know kickboxing when you were a kid. Mm -hmm. Did you ever have a moment where you were with another kid and now you had to? Oh yeah. Yeah. It all, it always gets to there. (laughs) You're always passing down. You're always passing knowledge down to somebody as you go. Like, have you ever had a street fight like that? Like, confrontation on uh, I've had a few confrontations yeah yeah yeah, yeah. They, they are, um, some go good some go bad you know what I mean but they're scary and you know you'd be surprised that uh, even though you prepare you're unprepared for the street because there are no rules and and you know if somebody attacks you sometimes they have already planned to do it when you just was going to the store to buy something you come out and now you get attacked so it could be two against one. I mean, so so many variables are in there. You know, people think because you take karate, you're black, but you can defend yourself. But that is not true at all. Have you ever been like knocked out? I've been knocked out four times. Four times. Four times. In the ring, you're like four times on the street. Four times in the ring. Four times in the gym training. Yeah, knocked out four times. Knocked mm-hmm. out like. Like out. Oh wow, that's mm-hmm. that's scary. Oh. That's Scary. Yeah, very scary. Very, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, the moments that you had, like on the street, were you, were you always unprepared, or were you at times prepared? Well, you got you got to think about it like this: you're never prepared for the street. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But like you say all the time, there's always bad people in a group of good people. Like always bad, right? Mm-hmm. So in some way or form, because I know that me, when I go out, my brother says he sees colors when he looks at people. Like maybe mm-hmm. he sees red to somebody that maybe doesn't give off that good of a that, that vibe. Right, right. So me, I kind of, I'm not psychic or anything, but I yes. <laughs> you can you can You can reveal now. Guess what? <laughs> Like, if I drive past past this truck, is that a good idea or not? Like, right. could they put me in their trunk? And mm-hmm. at times, maybe that did save my life at times. Maybe I don't go biking by myself in the middle of the night. Sometimes it's just, you know, some good intuition. Sometimes if you feel that vibe, mm-hmm. most of the time it's, it's telling you the truth. You got to listen to it. A lot of people discredit it or don't pay attention to it. And so because of that, they get stuck off guard because – you know, I have a lot of friends that um, have retired from the military, special forces stuff, you know, and knowing them for over 40 years, that was one of the things that they would always teach me. I go, you know, the thing about it, even as a special forces guy that's trained to do it, we get caught off guard. And that's all we do is defend. And we get caught off guard. So if they're getting caught off guard. How do you think somebody like me and you're going to get caught off guard, Right. When that's a professional doing it, and we're we're doing it to protect ourselves, but they're doing it on, on a level where it's it's you know it could get real, real bad real fast, and they get caught off guard, and that's when I learned that you're never prepared. And and those you can react, you can react and get there, 
but it's not like you're, you know, every day you're walking out your house prepared. Yeah. 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 But those bullies, those bullies that did confront you at your school, did you ever teach them their lesson? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that happened a lot. Really? Like, mm-hmm. what happened? Uh, not in a bad way, but just, just you know, a co- couple little confrontations because, you know, they would try you. And then once, once I started getting the paper as an amateur competitor, then they were like, do you really know karate? Let's see, you know, so, but, you know, I had a good instructor, so I learned just to, you know, if I can talk my way out of it, you know what I mean? If I can do a little bit where, you know, nobody's going to get hurt, we'd be cool. With and you know what? The funny part was that that's all it took. Like, that was the weird part. I was like, I thought you guys actually wanted to fight me when they would throw a couple of punches, I would block and kind of push them off, and that would, they, would, they would stop from there. I was like, so, it, yeah. yeah. I mean, you don't, you, don't, you don't really want to fight, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and plus how I carried myself, they knew that their confidence was there. So they was like, you know what? He's way too calm. He's not even worried about us doing what he's doing. So there must be something there. Yeah, and that's a key thing. Like, even if people... That's- even if you are scared, you can't show that you're scared. That's the, that's the big part right there. Yeah, mm-hmm. never, never. And I actually have a story. Okay. Yeah. So one time, so we're in like a new neighborhood where it's like there's a lot of construction going on. Right. And like you said, there's always bad people everywhere. Everywhere. So mm-hmm. One day, right after the summer where me and my friends all got together, we're going on a run in the morning. Okay. And this was happening like weekly, weekly. Okay. And um, every morning, at like, uh, it would still be bright to like 9 a.m. We'd go on right. And one day in the afternoon, I just drank a little bit of lemonade. And I was like, you know what? I feel like I want to exercise. I'm just going to go on a run. So I went on a run. And then on my way, it was like a cul-de-sac. And then I went out of the cul-de-sac. Into okay. The right, right, right. To, to, yeah. yeah. And then there was construction going on in my street. So when I came back in, a car was sitting on the um, on the driveway of the new house that was being built, mm-hmm. and I was running by, and I was I was just jogging, and I was literally right near like uh, maybe like five more, ten more seconds, and I'd be at my house. Okay. Honked at me, and then I was like, "Hi," because I was it was just polite, like I was honking. right. You said right, right, yeah. And the, maybe there's something in my way. Maybe there's honking to tell me to get out. Maybe there's a squirrel or something. And I was like, and then I went home, and I was like, wait a minute. There was nothing in front of me. I'm just running by myself. Why would they honk at me? And I was like, oh, I'm running by myself and they honking at me. (laughs) I went home and I told my parents and they're like, why'd you run by yourself? Why'd you run by yourself? Right, yeah. I told told my parents, but apparently they didn't hear. So that was another dangerous part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the next morning we went on another run together and now it was to the point where they would scream out and say, hey, hey. And we'd be like, okay. Okay. Because yeah. two things happened. One, they could have been friendly because it's a new neighborhood. They're moving in and they're saying, you know what? Their kids here. They're out running. Let's show that we're nice. Hey, how you doing? We're going to be the new neighbors. And it could have been friendly. Oh, no. It was the workers. It was the uh, But yeah, and then the other part of it, yeah, 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 yeah. Workers are, yeah. And and again, they they could have been friendly, but overall, when you look at something like that, you know, they, they, the first thing they, you know, what the first thing should have came to your mind was that, one, I'm a 12-year-old that's running. Yeah. 
not like I'm not 22, I'm 12. So there's zero reason to interact with me at my age, whether I look 14 or whatever, still too young to be interacting with what you're doing. So yeah. that's the number one bad sign right there. Yeah, yeah. that that means you, you go home and you, you, you avoid that at all times. And you take parents yeah. so, they, so they can be aware too, or, you know, maybe maybe say something. You know, the neighborhood also has to be aware when things happen like that, you know, to help out. And it was like a, it was, so my group is like a bunch of, bunch of the people in our neighborhood and it's multiple people. So, I mean, all our parents got notified after this. So yeah, yeah, yeah you should. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you said, a few days ago when we met up that it's, there's bad people everywhere. Everywhere. And that's why um, every time we still go on walks around here in my neighborhood, there's no like, problem but when we do go i'm the first one to think when there's a car driving by and they wave i'm the first one to think i don't say it out loud because i mean i don't want to be like the over right right. yeah if they turn around right now where are we gonna go where are you gonna go right and 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 already have a plan because that see that's when you get caught off guard is that like you said you're going okay car just passed us maybe they honked okay we're you know we're, we're, we're a group of girls just kind of having fun, but someone honked us. Now, if they turn around, instead of panicking, you've already figured out a couple of ways you can escape or where you could go or where you could hide or whatever. And and if the rest of the girls are not doing that, that's when things get, get hacked. I mean, don't have a plan. I'm going to take on like a full grown man. Right. right. Like, no. Yeah. You don't want to do that. No. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and the good thing about my neighborhood is that there's a lot of like, ways to go and the thing about like on the street is that sometimes there's not a lot of ways to go there's like right right yeah and the other part is knowing your neighborhood so if you do have to run you know where to go to kind of throw somebody off and hopefully they won't know with the neighborhood as well as you mm-hmm. you know i mean once you get out of sight or once you take a turn a little bit mm-hmm. maybe they will you know stop because they don't know where they're going or they could think that you're running for help. I mean, they don't know. Yeah, also that's where the intuition comes in. Because sometimes, I mean, multiple times on multiple occasions, we're going on a walk and it dawns. So, like, it, um, not dawns, but, like, the sun goes down. Sun right, goes down. right. Yeah, you're there. Yeah, and now we're still not on our way back home. And maybe a car drives by or something. And, I mean, I've seen this in movies multiple times. But mm-hmm. this is a really creepy one. But, like, it was, like, a serial killer and he, like, has people in his garage. And every time I walk by this one house, that's all I can think of. Right. <laughs> and it's just intuition at times. It, it, but it makes you aware. And that's the only thing is that it makes you aware versus someone else could walk by and go, oh, that's that's that. And that think about it. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. and that's the thing. Most people get attacked because they're not thinking that those things could happen. The yeah. people that avoid it are the people that are thinking that it could happen. And so you're your antennas go up, right? So you're alert. You're a lot more alert during that time. Yeah. And that's what you have to be. And a lot of people, they're not. I mean, people get attacked all the time, you know? Sometimes it's, sometimes the attacker is just slick and they catch them off guard, but most of the time it's from people just not paying attention. Yeah. Yeah, yeah not paying attention. It's either the people that are really competitive or really careless. That's it right there. And most competitive people, they pay attention. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And um, you are the father of two girls. So yes. Have you ever had any um, experiences like that where it was scary? 
Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, me and my little one, we've been into a couple situations where, you know, we got where I had to explain to her that, you know, these things could happen and we're in a bad situation and, you know, you need to do like this. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've been in New York into a couple of really bad spots where I've even thought that I was going to have to do something. Like, I was like, oh, wow. Like, I'm like, you know, you think about it, but then you have to know one time that you're going to really have to do it. So we got to a point where I was like, you know, I had to say, hey, these things are going to go down. If this happens to me, I need you to run this way, whatever. So it was, you know, luckily we we avoided it and we made some some verbal, you know, contact with it. But, you know, again, it was if I wouldn't have carried myself the right way, we probably would have got attacked because it was there. Yeah, it was it was 100 percent there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been to India. I've been to India and mm-hmm. uh, we don't live like we have two kind of areas like my mom's side and my dad's side. So, okay. I mean, we don't live in like the best part of town, but we don't live in the worst part of town. Right. And like people were always like roaming the streets at all hours. Like yeah. in the middle of the night and there's gonna be somebody right there. Right. So especially being a kid, like if I were to go on a run on my street in India, that would not have been good. Uh is it Dangerous? It's very dangerous. Because, uh, I mean, for one, there's cars going everywhere. Like, on all of the small roads, there's cars. Right. There's also, just people everywhere. So, there's going to be a person right, like, um, <laughs> so. so it's, it's, it's busy where you where you know that if you're out, something can happen, and there's a lot of traffic. Yeah. And, like you said, in the majority, there's always a minority. So, right. the majority of where we live could have been a good place. Mm-hmm. But the fact that we weren't in the best place and we it, it, yeah yeah so it could take that one person yeah yeah mm-hmm. all right yeah okay well th- that's it for today's episode of Stay Sane thank you for watching. Oh, she steady dripping sailor she got the perfect face.